So there's a story about a little kid who got his hand stuck in a, an expensive vase, in his mother's vase. And he got his hand stuck in there, and he tried to pull it out. He kept pulling, trying to pull it out, pull it out, and he couldn't pull it out. And his father didn't want to break the vase because it was very expensive, and he didn't want to make his wife upset. So in, in desperation, one last chance, one last opportunity, he told his son, okay, this time I'm going to try again. This time put your hand out, put your fingers out straight, relax your hand, and pull straight out. And his son said, but dad, I can't do that, because if I do, I'll let go of my dime. See? It's subtle. See, he's holding on to the dime in the vase and falling in there, and he didn't want to let go. So he couldn't get his hand out. There's all kinds of variations of that story, but, but the truth is this. I think we all have dimes in our lives that we're reluctant to let go of, things that we're just holding on to, clutching to, and we don't want to let go of. It could be uh, literally money that we don't want to let go of. We don't want to let God have control of our finances. It could be a relationship or relationships that we, we don't want to let go. We don't want to give up. Could be things in our past, hurts or wounds that we have that we're holding on to and we just can't let go of. Maybe it's an addiction that you've been struggling with for, for years, your whole life, and you just can't seem to let go or it won't let go of you. Maybe it's your whole life and you just, like, you could categorize my whole life that way. Like, I just can't let go of my life. I just can't give up control of my life. Maybe it's something that from your past that you can't let go of. Maybe it's something that you're currently struggling with. Maybe it's a, a hope or a dream or an expectation for the future that you can't let go of. It could even be a good thing or good things that you can't let go of. And I think we don't want to let go because we don't want to give up control. And giving up control is really really scary because you don't know what's going to happen right at least if you're holding on to this thing it's like i'm comfortable with this thing i know this thing i i know what's going to happen whether for good or for bad and i just don't want to give up control and i think at the bottom of that is this this lack of trust that we have that that god really cares about us and that god can actually handle it that god knows better than we do for me in all honesty, one of the, the dimes that I've been holding on to is this church. And just, it seems like, a, like it can even be a really good thing, right? Like this, this church. But, but for me, I had this dream, this, this, this vision of what this church would be. I had this, this expectation of where we would be at this point two years in. And on all honesty, we're just not there. We're not where I expected us to be. And, and it was really hard for me to let go of that. So I would just clutch onto that dream, holding it firmly in my hand and not being able to let go. And it was like this, this dime in this vase. And it was just holding me captive. And it was part of what led to my burnout, was just not being able to let go of that. Well, today I want to talk about, as we wrap up 2018, I want to talk about that dirty S word that I think none of us really want to deal with. And it's that word, surrender. No matter who you are, if you're a Christian or not, surrender is a difficult, difficult thing. 
For a lot of us, we don't even understand why we would need to surrender, why we should surrender, why, why we even would need to do such a thing like surrender. But for those of us who are followers of Jesus, maybe we, we understand that, that in order to follow Jesus, we have to surrender, but it's not just a one-time thing that we do. In order just to get us all on the same page, I want to give you a definition for surrender, okay? So we all know what we're talking about. So I'm talking about surrender. This is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about giving myself fully and completely to God. That everything that I have and everything that I am, I give as a sacrifice to God to be used for his purposes. That's what I'm talking about, surrender. Giving myself fully and completely to God. As I said, this isn't just a a one-and-done sort of thing for the follower of Jesus. This is a continual, daily sacrifice that we make to surrender. The Apostle Paul, writing in Romans chapter 12, he says this, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. There is no following Jesus without surrender. And there is no surrender without sacrifice. And here's the really, 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 really difficult thing. There is no sacrifice without death. Right? A sacrifice is by definition, death. And Paul says to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice so that Christ can live through us. But there's no sacrifice without death. In fact, death is part of the Christian journey or is the beginning of the Christian journey, really. Apostle Paul writing elsewhere in in Galatians 2.20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Surrendering denotes sacrifice. And sacrifice denotes death. That I have to die to myself. That I have to lay down my burdens. I have to lay down my disappointments. I have to lay down my sin, my discouragement my hopes, my dreams, my aspirations, all of these things I have to lay down at the cross of Christ so that Christ can live in me and through me to the fullest. Now, I have to confess, I've been a Christian for all of my adult life. I've been in ministry for over 25 years. I've been a, a pastor, senior pastor for 17 of those years. And this is still such a struggle for me. It's something that that I know cognitively in my head that I need to do, but I struggle to live out in my life on a daily basis, that I need to surrender, that I need to die to myself daily. And one of the things that God has shown me over these these past few months as I've been on this, this kind of inward journey is that there are these things in my life that I thought that I was surrendering to him that I wasn't actually surrendering. 
that, that I would categorize my, my surrender meter at maybe like 80%, like 80% of my life I'm giving fully to Christ, I'm surrendering this, but there's this last 20% that I just can't seem to let go of. I don't know if anybody else can relate to that, but I think a lot of us have these things in our life that's like that dime in the vase that we just can't let go of. Jesus says this about following him. In Luke chapter 9, he says, that, says, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. I bet that cleared the crowd, right, when he says this. Basically saying, you have to die to yourself if you want to follow me. The pastor and author, Kyle Eidelman, who wrote this, this book called Not a Fan. Anybody read that book? All right, a few of you. It's a great, great book to make you feel really guilty about your, your life. But he says this, he says, The reason that Jesus is so adamant about followers surrendering everything is because the reality is this. The one thing that we are most reluctant to give up is the one thing that has the most potential to become a substitute for him. So that, that one thing that we're reluctant to give up, that's the one thing that we are most likely to rely on, to substitute him for. He goes on to say, but when we finally surrender that one thing, we discover satisfaction that com- the satisfaction that comes from following Jesus that was always missing when we were holding something back. See, God doesn't want to just be something in your life or my life. Christ needs to be everything. And as long as we are holding on to anything, he can't be everything. And so if you're holding on to this dime in the vase, that thing, that one thing, anything is keeping Christ from being everything in your life. So, as I've been wrestling with God over the past several months and trying to let go of that last 20%, he's taught me some things about what it means to surrender or how to surrender because there are things, you know, that in my life that even that I want to surrender, but I just don't know how. I don't know how to let go of those things. I don't, I don't know how to let go of them and leave them there and not pick them back up again. And so I want to share with you just these things that God has been teaching me over the past few months, and I hope that it will be helpful for you. And it's just three, three things, kind of three steps in surrendering. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 26 and Here's a point where it's at the end of Jesus' life. I mean, the end. Like, this is the day before he's going to be crucified, the end. And here's what Matthew tells us about this. It says, Jesus went with them, with his disciples, to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over to pray. And he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. And he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. 
He went on a little farther and he bowed with his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So here's the first thing I think that we need to do in order to surrender. The first thing is we need to accept reality. Accept reality. This is the first thing that Jesus does. It's it's kind of implicit in the text. But the first thing that he does is to acknowledge what's true. He's just been betrayed by Judas, one of his 12 disciples. And he's coming to the garden for this reason, because he's been betrayed. He knows that he's about to be handed over to his enemies to be crucified and to be tortured. And he doesn't deny that. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't over-spiritualize it. He says, this is the reality that I am living in right now, and it really sucks, to put it mildly. Some of you maybe have a hard time accepting reality because you just don't want to face reality. Maybe it's too painful, it's too difficult, it's too shameful. So you'd rather deny reality than accept reality because it's just easier Some of the others of you, maybe you have a hard time accepting reality because you're one of those, the glass is always half full kind of people. You have any of those people here? Okay, you're annoying. (laughs) I find you people irritating because you kind of like those always keep on the sunny side of life. They can find a bright spot in, in everything. And I think sometimes the sun is shining so bright that you can't actually see things the way that they are. That's why I am a realist. My wife would say pessimist, but I think realist is actually more accurate, more, more politically correct to say I'm, I'm a realist. I don't have a hard time accepting reality. I can look at things and go, yep, that's the way it is. That sucks. Let's move on. I don't have a hard time with that accepting reality. The problem is, is that so over the years, what's happened is I just accept reality. So so with each frustration, with every disappointment, with every discouragement, each and every hurt, I just accept that. Okay, that's the way it is. Let's move on. There's work to do. Reality's not going to change itself, so let's just go. And so we just go. And where I really messed up, and this is what I want to share with you, this was the big revelation for me, and you're probably like, oh, big deal. That's not a big revelation. I knew that all along. But here's where I really messed up, is that I ended it there. This is just the first step in surrender. I made it the first and only step in surrender, is I ended it there, and I thought that because I was accepting reality, that I wasn't trying to control things. I wasn't trying to fix things. I was just saying, that's the way it is. I'm not going to do anything about it, which was a big step for me. But I thought that because I wasn't doing anything about it, that I was surrendering it. But accepting is not the same as surrendering. You guys are smart, so you probably knew that already. I did not. Accepting is not the same thing as surrendering. Accepting is a step towards surrendering, but it is not surrendering in and of itself because instead of giving it up, I was just taking it in. 
and I was taking it on. And I would take all these things in and I would take all these things on because it was reality, but I wouldn't actually give them up. And so I learned what I think a lot of us learn is that the biggest hindrance to surrender is self-sufficiency. We think that we can do it. We think that we have to do it. This is my burden to bear. I can do this. I can just plow through it. I can make this happen. And I might even ask for God's help. God, help me with this, but I don't actually give it to him. I just ask for his help, but it's still my burden to bear, and I won't give it up. And so self-sufficiency is this huge hindrance to surrender. But here's the thing. Again, this is a big revelation for me. Surrender isn't passive. I think we think of it as like just waving this white flag and we roll over like a turtle on our back and expose our, our vulnerable parts and we're just like, that's what I do. I just kind of roll over. Okay, I surrender. But surrender isn't passive. Surrender is actually active. Taking on burdens is passive, but you actually have to be active in laying those burdens down to actually lay those burdens down at the feet of Christ. Just because you're not trying to fix something or not trying to control something doesn't mean you're surrendering it. It just means you're accepting reality, which is, a first, which is an important step in the process, but is not the end of the process. The second thing that we need to do to surrender is to mourn the loss. Mourn the loss. Jesus tells his disciples, he says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Jesus accepted this reality that, that one of my guys just betrayed me. I'm about to be handed over to my enemies. That sucks, but he, he doesn't hold on to it. He doesn't deny the pain. He doesn't, he doesn't stuff it down. He doesn't hide the hurt. He doesn't ignore the struggle. He deals with it. He mourns. He weeps bitterly about it. For my own self, I had to give my, myself permission to mourn. To mourn that some things that, that maybe haven't worked out the way that I thought, some hurts from my past that, that I hadn't let go of, that I had to give myself permission to grieve over. Some expectations for the, for the future that, or dreams that I had that maybe don't seem like they're materializing. I had to give myself permission to mourn the loss of those things. So instead of shouldering that pain and taking it all in, I've been learning to let it out. To grieve it, to mourn it, to, to cry over it, to, to let it go in that way. To mourn some broken relationships, to, to mourn some unmet expectations. So let me ask you, do you have hurt in your life that you haven't mourned? Do you have maybe a loss in your life that you haven't grieved? Maybe it's the, the loss of, of something that was, Maybe it's the loss of something that is. Maybe it's the loss of something that you hoped would be. But whatever it is, it just it did not or has not or is not working out like you had hoped and dreamed that it would. And you know that that's reality, but you haven't yet mourned the loss that, hey, 
that's it. It didn't work out. That sucks. I'm going to cry over it. And I'm going to let it go. Maybe you thought that you'd be along further in your career than you are by now. And you need to mourn that loss. Maybe you thought that you would be married by now or have a family by now, and you, you don't. And you need to mourn that loss. Maybe you never dreamed that you would still be stuck in Grand Forks at the end of 2018, and you need to mourn that loss. Maybe you have friendships, relationships that have, that have been broken, and it hurts, and you wish that it could be different, but it's not. And you need to mourn that loss, whatever that is, Jesus invites you to grieve over it. And he weeps with you in that loss. The third step, and this is what I think we just go to immediately when we think about surrender, is this third step, and it is to submit to God's will. Submit to God's will. And I think a lot of us really struggle with surrender for a lot of reasons, but, but one of them is, is because we, we skip these first two steps. We jump to right to trying to submit to God's will, trying to surrender ourselves without actually accepting reality the way that things are, mourning the, way, mourning the loss of the way that we wish things could be, and then submitting to God's will. And you have to move through these because what I also realized in this is that I was so busy mourning at one point that I was missing out on what could be because I was so busy mourning what I thought should be. And so at some point, you need to let go. And Jesus accepts this reality. He mourns the loss and then he submits it all to God's will. And he says, my father... If it's possible, it's possible, right? God, anything's possible for God. But what Jesus is saying, if it's possible, if it's possible to accomplish this in any other way other than me having to die, let's do that instead. But Jesus says, that's what I want? But if that's not what you want, then I don't want that. No matter how much hurt, no matter how much pain it causes me, I want your will. Despite this downward spiral of events, despite the continual disappointments that, that Jesus had with people, Jesus still trusts his Father's will. And it may not be the path he would have chosen for himself, but he knows that God is still firmly in control. How about you? Can you still trust God when things are spiraling out of control? Can you still follow the road, road that God has for you, even if it's not the road that you would have chosen for yourself? Those are the questions that I've had to wrestle with. And it's not easy. If you've had to wrestle with those questions or you're too afraid to wrestle with those questions, those are, are difficult questions that you have to be honest about. You have to accept the reality of. You have to mourn the loss of, and you have to wrestle with those questions. Can I still follow God if his way ends up being different than the way that I wanted for myself? I want to trust 
that God has a plan for me even though I can't see it. I want to believe that he's in control even, even if, if it seems like he's not. I want his will, unless of course it's different than my will, that's where it gets really difficult. And I just can't seem to give him that final 20% that I need to let go of. And as I struggle through that, I've developed something, kind of a mantra that I want to share with you. I think I've already shared with some of you, but that's been really, really helpful for me in letting go of that final 20%. It's any time where I'm, I'm struggling to let go of something, where I have a, a hurt or a disappointment or unmet expectation or discouragement, whatever it is, and I just find that, that, I'm, that I'm holding on to that, I'm accepting that reality, but maybe even I'm, I'm mourning the loss of, of what isn't, but I still struggle to submit to God's will, I've developed this prayer. And it's simple. And I want to share it with you. And I just say, God, there's nothing I can do. I surrender to you. There's nothing I can do. I surrender to you. My car needs repairs and I don't have the money for it. I can't manufacture money on a tree. So I, God, I just surrender this to you. My kids are making choices that I don't approve of. I've raised them in the right way, but they're their own people now. There's nothing I can do. I just surrender them to you. My girlfriend or my boyfriend has broken up with me. I thought that they loved me. I can't make them love me, God. So I just surrender that relationship to you. That person that I thought was my friend really hurt me. And that sucks, and I can't do anything to change that. And I just surrender that to you. And I just keep saying that over and over and over again until I actually do it. That's why I made it rhyme. So it's easy to say over and over and over again, there's nothing I can do, I surrender to you. And a lot of nights, I just put myself to sleep saying that over and over and over again as I'm worrying about all these different things. There's nothing I can do, I surrender to you. See, the cross of Christ, Jesus is preparing for the cross, and the cross of Christ is the ultimate example of God being fully in control when it seemed like everything was out of control of God bringing the ultimate good out of the ultimate evil. And one of the realities that I have to accept and that we all have to accept is that we just don't see the whole picture. That I have a limited perspective. I have limited knowledge. I have limited power amongst a whole list of other limited things. And I have to accept the reality that God actually sees and knows better than I do how to accomplish his purposes in this world and in my life. And because God actually knows better than I do, that means that when things don't go according to my plans, God, there's nothing I can do. I surrender it to you. When, my fi when finances are weighing me down, there's nothing I can do. I surrender to you. When relationships are difficult, there's nothing I can do. I surrender to you. When your dreams just don't come true, there's nothing I can do. I surrender to you. 
when you've tried and you've tried and you've tried to overcome an addiction or an habitual sin or, or a mental illness or whatever it is and it just doesn't seem to be working, there's nothing I can do. I surrender to you. If you feel trapped in your marriage, in your job, in your life, in your current economic state, God, there's nothing I can do. I'm just going to surrender to you. What if this became your mantra for 2019? That every time you were hurt, you said, God, there's nothing I can do. I surrender to you. Every time there's an expectation that doesn't get met, you say, God, there's nothing I can do. I surrender to you. Every time you feel discouraged, every time you feel disappointed, every time you feel broken, every time you feel helpless, every time you feel hopeless, there's nothing I can do, God. I surrender to you. This last Thursday, there was a snowstorm. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Um, <laughs> Apparently, the city of East Grand Forks didn't notice it because they decided not to plow our whole neighborhood until the, like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So at 11 o'clock in the morning, as I'm preparing to leave after I spent three hours shoveling and plowing at our house, I, I get ready to leave and I notice that there's this car in the street, like a block down, that this, this young lady is just stuck and she's just spinning her wheels. So I got in my... I took, put my car back that I was going to drive because I already got in it stuck. And I got in our Suburban and drove down there to try and help her. And I got out and I brought a shovel with me and I started to push her. And I was just, you know, I'm like mm, trying to push her. Like I'm just, my feet are sliding out from under me. Her wheels are just spinning. This a neighbor from across the street, shortly he comes out. Both of us are trying to push and we can't budge at all budge this car at all. It's in the middle of the street and the wheels are just spinning and spinning and spinning. So I say, hey, I've got a tow rope in my Suburban. I could just pull you out. And she says, she says oh, no, 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 that's, that's okay, that's okay. And this guy's like, well, let's, maybe if we get it over to the, the street over there, then, you know, because that's where she came from, it still wasn't plowed, um, maybe she'll be able to go. And so at this point, another guy comes over and he helps. And so the three of us are able to push her onto the next street where she gets stuck again. And every time we're, we're pushing and we're pushing, and every time we let go, the car just stops and the wheels just start spinning. And I say, hey, I've got this tow rope in my Suburban. I could just tow you out. Oh, no, 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 no. That's okay. That's okay. A fourth guy comes. We're all pushing. We're thinking, okay, here, we just got to get maybe push her into that driveway over there so she can turn around, and then she'll be okay. The four of us are pushing. Nothing. Every time we let go, the car just does this like slide over to the corner, and the wheels just spin and spin and spin. And I say hey, guess what? I've got a tow rope in my Suburban. I could just pull you out. Then a fifth guy comes. A stuck car is like a magnet for macho memory. Like, oh, come on, I can push you out. And so now there's five of us 
trying to push this car and it's still not working. Over an hour has gone by. I wasn't prepared to be outside. I think I got frostbite for the first time ever on my ears because I wasn't prepared to be outside. 75 minutes, an hour and 15 minutes, we're out there. Five of us now pushing this car, can't get it to move. So I say, what? I've got a tow rope in my Suburban. I could pull you out. So which she finally says, okay. So I get my tow rope out. I hook it up to her car. I hook it up to my Suburban. And in five minutes, she's free. We spent 75 minutes trying to push her. And in five minutes, I just pulled her out and pulled her over to two blocks over to a street that was actually plowed where she could drive away. So my question for you is, so we end 2018, we head into this new year, where are you stuck right now? Where do you find yourself just spinning your wheels? Where are you just clutched with both hands held tight on the steering wheel? And you just keep sliding further and further and further over into the ditch. When are you going to let go of the wheel and let Jesus pull you out? Let Jesus set you free and pull you to safety. What if whatever that thing is, you just said, there's nothing I can do. I surrender to you. I can't pull myself out of this ditch myself. I can't break free. I can't move on. Whatever it is, there's nothing I can do. I surrender to you. You know, we all make these resolutions to go into the new year, and then we break them within two weeks. Could we just say, hey, I'm not going, to, instead of resolving to do this thing, I'm going to resolve to not do that thing. And could we make... 2019, the year of surrender. Can we as individuals and as a church say 2019 is going to be the year of surrender? Where we just say enough is enough. There's nothing that I can do. God, I surrender to you. And let's see what God does. Let's see what he does in your life, in my life, in the life of our church as we fully and completely give ourselves over to God so that he can live through us. Will you pray with me? God, it's obvious to you and not so obvious to us that there's nothing that we can do to break ourselves free, to get ourselves out of that rut, to stop spinning our wheels. So Lord, I ask that you would just speak to each person here the way that you've spoken to me about the need to surrender, to let go of that dime in the vase, to let go of that steering wheel, to quit fighting you and fighting others and, and, and quit um, just being so preoccupied with what we think should be that we miss out on what could be with you. So God, as we give ourselves over to you, God, we ask that you would be glorified and magnified in our lives, that you would accomplish your purposes with or without us. 
for your glory, we pray. Amen. Mm.